Um, I'm there. I am a so, uh, senior, sorry, a senior. I graduate in December, so it's been a long journey for me. I've been saved for about six years now. Uh, God has really changed my life. I grew up in public school, grew up in a situation where I didn't know my, uh, still don't to this day, still don't know who my real father is. But God is good. Amen. And God can change lives. And uh, I went to Pensacola as a uh, as a criminal justice major. And the Lord just pricked my heart, pricked my heart, pricked my heart. And then that following summer, I ended up switching my major to be pastor, to be a pastor. God called me to preach and I felt like I needed to prepare for it. And uh, four years later, I'm going into my senior year with one semester left. And I'm truly thankful and uh, truly a testament of just seeing how God is able to change lives. If you would, could you please open your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 9. The book of Matthew, chapter 9. This scripture is really dear to my heart. Uh, it's kind of a testimony to what God asked me, as I pose a question here in a, in a second, of what God had asked me in the events of me being newly saved about five, five six years ago. H- have you ever been put in a spot where... Uh, you're trying to tell someone to do something or, or, or you're giving some some good advice, which you may which you may deem as good advice or, or trying to simply help someone out to make a good decision. It may be about food. It may be about the Bible. It may be about clothing, what, whatever it may be. And you use the phrase, hey, believe me. I know. Trust me. J- j- just believe me. I'm sure we've all been put in that situation. And like I said, I'm in a, I'm a, I'm a RA in, in Pensacola Christian College, meaning I, I travel against, uh, to rooms at night to make sure people are in their dorms and make sure people are doing right. And, and oftentimes I'll get a question, hey, am I able to do this? Am, am I able to do that? D- does this match? Hey, can you help me? And oftentimes I give the phrase, hey, that's wrong. Just trust me. Believe me. Believe me, it's wrong. And at that point, they have two options, either to trust me or to go against the rule and not trust me. Well, here in the scripture, we see that Jesus has just started his public ministry on earth. Uh, he, 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 we public ministry on earth. We will begin to see that many miracles throughout Jesus ministry in this chapter. Chapter number nine, we see five miracles alone. We see Jesus forgiving a man of palsy of his sins, and he's healing a man of his palsy. He healed his sickness. By the way, we we better be thankful that God can not only heal us, but he forgives us for our sins. He's able to save us from our sin. It's funny when when I see this scripture, when I see this text, we talked about it this morning. uh, He said, what is easier to meet me to forgive you for your sins or to heal you? Which one is harder and which one is easier? And even in this text, we see that the men, they didn't know what they didn't know what to say. They did not know what to say. So we see a man being healed of palsy. God forgives Jesus, forgives him of his sin. And then we see a certain ruler by the name of Jairus. His daughter is raised from the dead. All in chapter nine in Matthew chapter nine. We see a woman with an issue of 12 years of blood. She was miraculously healed. You know what this told me? No matter what problem you're going through, no matter how long, 
If you stay persistent, if you stay with it, God can help you. God helped this woman. She, 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 she ran to this. I'm, I'm, I'm imagining she tried every possible situation. And then when she came and met Jesus, her life changed. Isn't that true about us? When we met Jesus, our life has changed. Amen. I know my life has. Now, Christ is returning from the ruler's house to, to his own lodging. And these two blind men begin to follow after him. The blind men, faith was about to be pushed, put, put, tested, put to test. If you would turn Matthew chapter nine, and we're look at verse 27 to 31. Matthew chapter nine, verse 27 and 31. The Bible says, and when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was come into the house, the blind men came to him and Jesus saith unto him, unto them, believe ye that I am able to do this. Let me say that phrase again. Believe ye that I am able to do this. I want you to ponder that question for a moment because I'm going to because I'm going to ask you, believe ye that I am able to do this. 28, they said unto him, yea, Lord, then touch he their eyes, saying, according to your faith, be it unto you. Verse 30, and their eyes were open, and Jesus straightly charged them, saying, see that no man know it. But they, the two blind men, when they were departed, spread abroad his fame in all that country. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for the opportunity we have to be gathered around your word. Lord, I pray that you use this message, Lord. I know that you use this passage in my life and just understanding that you are able to change lives. God, I don't know what the burden today may be, whether it may be classes, whether it may be uh, marital problems or finances or relationships, whatever it may be, God. I just pray that you help us, help me to speak clearly, help me to preach your word. It's nothing that I can do, nothing that I can say, but Lord, help me to rely on your spirit. We love you and we thank you for being God. And it's in Jesus name we pray. Amen. As I stated before, the events leading up to this chapter, uh, the events leading up to this specific problem, the two blind men who needed to be healed. We see that a man is forgiven of his sins. Jesus, he heals the man of his palsy. Jairus, his daughter is raised from the dead. A woman with a 12 year issue of blood. It's completely healed. And then we get to two blind men. And I imagine that they heard about the previous thing that God has done in other people's lives. So they come following after Jesus to say, hey, I need to be fixed. I have a problem. I need to be fixed. So we see in this passage, we see that there's a definite problem. Verse 27, there's a definite problem. The Bible says, and when Jesus departed, two blind men Followed him, crying and saying, thou son of David, have mercy on us. First, I want you to notice that there was a definite problem. They were blind. Okay. They, they were blind. Now, I ask, they were blind. But, but what problem are you going through today? You say, oh, my problem may be different. No, well, look at the previous situations that Jesus fixed, and they were all different. He, he raised someone from the dead. 
He, he healed a man of palsy. He forgave him of sins. He, he healed a woman. He healed a woman with a 12 year issue of blood. So what problem are you going through today? Might I tell you that Jesus is able? Jesus is able, whether it's financial, whether it's relational, whatever it may be. Jesus is able. And by the way, we ought to thank God that he doesn't just fix one specific problem, but he's able to control and fix every single problem if we give it to him. We see that there was a proven track record. In the events leading up to the chapter, they, they had all they had a past to look at. And I'm sure this helped strengthen their belief. You can just imagine them. They're two blind men and they're walking around trying to see and, and, and they know I, I got to get a hold of Jesus. I wonder how they found out about Jesus. Was it because of the past circumstances that they healed from someone else? Was it someone simply telling them a testimony about uh, what, what God had done for them? When, when's the last time you bragged on God? Hey, hey, there's blind people all across the world. When I mean blind, I mean spiritually blind. And they're looking for people, Christian, they're looking for men, boys and girls, to tell them about the hope in, of Jesus Christ. Amen. We're having a missions conference in a, a, a back at our church this week. Uh, a guy's going to the Congo. And he, and he showed us his, his presentation. And he, he's witnessing to a guy, and a guy, a guy had, his daughter had just died. And the presentation is telling us all this stuff. And he's telling them about the hope of Jesus Christ. And, and, and I was startled because the man had said, the, the man from the Congo, from the country, told the missionary, who is Jesus? You, you see, people are waiting. People are looking for an answer. You go knock on doors. People are looking for an answer. How, how many people are you telling about Jesus? If Jesus had fixed a problem, he's fixed a problem in my life. So I ought to be telling people. You see, the two blind men had a, had a history, had past memorials of people whose life had changed that they could rely off. That they could rely on. So you see that there was a there was three aspects in this in this passage that I want you to see. There was a definite problem. They were blind. OK, they, they were blind. There's a definite problem. I'm sure we can attest that all of us have something going on in our lives right now. It may not be sin. It may just be something that is, is maybe it's seeing a loved one saved. Maybe it's financial, as I repeat it again. Maybe it's relational. I don't know what it may be, but we all have to identify the problem that we're going through. And not only that, we must go to we must approach God with that problem. I want you to notice, too, that there's a desperate plea. We see that there's a definite problem. They were blind. There was a need. There was a distinct need. They, they, they knew they needed to be healed. But I want you to notice that there was a desperate plea. In verse 27, the Bible says, and when Jesus departed, thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, thou son of David, have mercy on us. The Bible says they followed him. <laughs> this to me shows a sense of urgency. I, I know oftentimes we can have a problem in our lives, but yet how many how many times do we try to get wisdom from someone else or somewhere else instead of going directly to the Bible? But read with me. The Bible says they the, the two blind men followed him. This is a sense of urgency. Are you willing to follow after God in order to get an answer to prayer or that you're looking for? They, they, they didn't waste time. They, they had an option. The Bible says they followed after Jesus. Then I want you to notice that they came crying. When was the last time you came to God crying about something? I'm talking to myself, too. When is the last time I came to God crying, burdened about someone, burdened about seeing someone saved, burdened about being able to give, whatever it may be, burdened about seeing, uh, doing more, doing more for the church? What has it been? When was the last time 
that you were so urgent about this problem, this distinct need, that you cried out to God about it. The Bible says, now, now obviously the situation wasn't talking about, it wasn't talking about sin, but we all have a problem that's common, and that's a sin problem. We all have a sin problem. So, so when it comes to sin, are we burdened about it? Do we, do we cry out about it? Do we, do we go to God? God, why did I? The Bible says they gave him a, a clear title. The Bible says, thou son, look at it in verse 27. He says, thou son of David, have mercy on us. I can picture the two blind men crying. Thou son of David, David, have mercy on us. God, have mercy on us. When's the last time we did that? I'm talking to myself here. When's the last time I cried and said, have mercy on him. Have mercy on us, Jesus. There's a distinct problem. The Bible says they were blind. There was nothing they could do. Nothing they could do with the problem. It was already in them. But I want you to notice that there was a desperate plea. They followed after God. They didn't waste any time. They did not waste any time. I know oftentimes we can say, God, I need something. I've done it in my life. God, I really want this to happen. God, I need this. But I don't take the necessary steps to get closer to God in order to have that happen. The Bible says, draw an eye to God and I'll draw an eye to you. But, but that, that, that requires us to act. God doesn't just come to us. We have to act toward it. And I'm not saying you, you do works to get saved. We do works because we are saved. Amen. And not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing and regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So I'm not saying it's works, but we ought to come to God when there's a problem. You see, these two blind men, they, 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 distinct, they, they distinguish the problem. They said, hey, God, I have a need. There is a desperate plea. God. They followed after him. God, I cannot do this on my own. God, I need you. God, they called him for who he was. This is a sense of rever- a sign of reverence. They didn't come. They didn't call the big daddy upstairs. The, the, it wasn't a prefix to a custom. No, they, they acknowledged God for who he was. It was a sense of awe. It was a sense of reverence. And I think we ought to come to God when we're going through a problem, when we have problems and, and, and acknowledge God for who he is. And know that he is able. We see that there's a title. But I want you to notice something in verse 28. The Bible says, and when he was coming to the house, the blind man came to him. This showed me that they had a choice. Jesus was already in the house. I might have asked Jesus in the house today. But the blind man had an option. The blind man came to him. They they, they didn't depart. The, The Bible says when Jesus came into the house, the blind man Came to him. Man. The fact that we have an option to serve God is a beautiful thing. God doesn't just make us robots. God, he he wants us to initiate it. The Bible says they followed him. This shows the seriousness of how serious they were. Of getting right, of fixing the problem. When Jesus is somewhere close, there is a reason we ought to show up. Amen. There's a reason we ought to show up. So not only in this passage do we see that there's a definite problem. They were blind. Definite problem. They were blind. They had something going on that they themselves couldn't fix. But there was a desperate plea. They followed after God. 
They acknowledged God for who he was and they came burdened. They came crying after Jesus. But next, I want you to show us that there was a defining perspective, a defining perspective. Verse 28. And when he was coming to the house, the blind men came to him and Jesus saith unto the, and Jesus saith unto them, believe ye that I am able to do this. And they said unto him, yea, Lord. That's that question I asked. That's that question I asked earlier. Believe ye that I'm able to do this. At the age of 20 years old, grew up in, 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 a, in a home that, that didn't single and a single mom and a little sister. I grew up adopting to the world's philosophies in public school my whole life, not going to church, going to church off and on. I got a basketball scholarship to uh, to to a Bluefield College in West Virginia. All they had was a Walmart. The Walmart was the mall, the movies, everything. There's nothing there but Walmart. And I ended up playing there for a couple years, got into some trouble, lost my scholarship. And on my way back home, got into some trouble. It's before I was saved now. And my mom got diagnosed with her, with cancer in her brain, with cancer, tumors in the brain. She got those removed. We lived in an apartment in Woodbridge, Virginia. And she said, and she couldn't work. Okay, there was no finances. I lost my scholarship. My it's me, my sister, and my mom. And we get to the point where we get evicted. We get kicked out the house. We sleep in a car for approximately two weeks in Suitland, Maryland, driving, trying to hide the car because the car's the car's trying to get the people are trying to repossess the car. And, and, we're, and we're sleeping in the car. I'm, and I remind you, I'm not saved at this time. And we go. Move into my, we move into my parents' house. We move into my grandparents' house who happened to live in Suitland, Maryland. And while I was there, I got a job at Chick-fil-A. And I was there for approximately two years before I met Brother Baldwin. He adopted me into his home as one of his sons. And two, and, and on my way to work, I would walk an hour from work, an hour to work, an hour from work. Cause I just didn't ride the bus cause Suitland, Maryland is ghetto there. And I, I was not, I was from, I was from Woodbridge, Virginia where it was predominantly white. And I come into that situation. I said, I'm not riding the bus. I'd rather walk. And we would, we would, I would walk to work. And I remember praying to God, not being said, I'll pray to God. I say, God, you have to be out there. God, I, I can't do this on my own. I, I'm struck. I lost everything. I, I, I literally lost everything. The fact that I'm here is a miracle. And I remember coming back home, my mom giving me my daily bread book. And I was searching. I believe if you're searching for God, he'll give you opportunities to find him. I truly believe that. And my mom gave me my daily bread book. And I would read the book over and over and over and over again. I would pray, like, God, I need something. God, I need something. I ended up moving to my other set of grandparents' house who go to church. I said, God, I need to find somewhere to go to church. And my grandparents that happened to go to Crossroads Baptist Church, they said, if you're going to live with us, you got to go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I said, Lord, have mercy. I want to go to church, but I wasn't planning on going that much. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> and I would go to church. And Brother Baldwin, every time I would see him, he'd come up, give me a big hug and, and love on me. Then I got saved October 13, 2013. October 18, 2013. And there was some things in my life that I had to give up. It was a debt I owed at Bluefield College that I wasn't, I wasn't sure I was going to be able to, to ever go play basketball, ever go back to school again. It was some friends that I had to give up that I wasn't sure I was going to have to give up. 
It was some, 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 prop, some personal problems I was going to have to give up, some addictions that I was going to have to give up, that I wasn't sure I was going to be able to give up. It was some relationships I was going to have to give up, some friends I was going to have to give up. And I remember reading this text. And God spoke to me. He said, it's a two blind men. And God spoke to my heart when I was reading this text. He said, Deontay, don't worry about what you can do, but do you believe me? He asked the question, believe ye that I'm able to do this. And he's changed my life. I've been clean for six years ever since I've been saved. I'm at Bible college about to graduate. I'm called to preach. Hopefully one day I'll be pastoring the church. But it all started with the question, believe ye that I'm able to do this. So, So we see that there's a trust. You have to trust God. They, they, they didn't live off the faith of the other people, the two blind men. They didn't live off the faith of Jairus. They didn't live off the faith of, of, of the woman that had the 12-year issue of blood. They didn't live off the faith of the, the, uh, the man with the palsy. But they had their own personal faith with God. They said, I understand. I've heard what God can do, but I cannot rely on this. I have to meet God where he's at. I have to have my own individual practical faith. We see that there was a touch. The Bible says, then in verse 29, then touch he their eyes, saying, according to your faith, be it unto you. Uh, I, I look at this as they were close enough for Jesus to touch him. <laughs> when's, the, when's the last time you got so close to God where you feel like God's been t- just touched you? Man, that's an awesome feeling. He, he, the Bible says he touched. He touched them. He, he touched their eyes. We ought to be so close to God that we can be sensitive to his voice and that he can touch our lives. We ought to be. That means getting in the word. That means praying. That means discipling. Like my brother said today, if we don't disciple, that's on us. That's not on the person. That's not on disciple. That's on us. We got to be discipling. Amen. Amen. How do they, how do they know about Jesus? We have to, we have to, the touch that we get from God, we have to touch others with, we have to show them how they can be touched. There's people with plenty of problems, sin problems all across the world. But how many people are we touching? We can get so caught up and, and, and we're and bogged down to our own lives that we forget apart the we forget about the Great Commission and understand that we have to touch others. If you want the church to grow, touch others. If you want to see more people saved, touch others. Don't be selfish with it. Hey, don't be selfish with it. I'm going to show you on later in the text that they had a testimony. But we see in verse 30 that there's a transformation. There's a transformation. The Bible says, and their eyes were open, and Jesus straightly charged them, saying, see that no man know it. God was able to heal them and change their lives forever. He met their need in a miraculous way. I'm sure you all know people who, when they met Jesus, God changed their lives. Now, it may not have been a blind person who's able to see, but you may have seen a person who was addicted to stuff that they shouldn't be addicted to, a person who has uh, was wearing the wrong clothes, a person, whatever it may be, and you say, man, how did that person change? God has changed their lives. Hey, I'm a testimony of God has changed my life. The fact that I'm up here in a suit, I never thought I'd be up here preaching. But God changed my life. And I made this commitment five, five years ago. I said, God, you saved me from so much stuff. 
I owe my life to you. I'm a miracle. And I'm sure all of us can attest to it. We're miracles. We see that there's a testimony. Verse 31. The Bible says, but they, when they departed, spread about his fame in all that country. <laughs> because they believed God was able to meet their need, they were able to tell others about the wonders that he was able to do. I'm sure God has answered a lot of our prayers. But are we holding those in or are we telling other people about it? Hey, hey pe- people are searching. As I said earlier, people are searching. But are we holding those, those answers to prayers in? Or are we telling other, it's not bragging about us. We need to be bragging on God. Because there may be someone who's going through the same problem that's looking for hope. That's looking for hope. And I want to challenge you. Don't get so caught up in, 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 in just receiving the, the blessings of God that we forget to tell others about it. That we forget to tell others about it. We all have a testimony to tell. We all do. We all do. I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what problem you have. And I don't know what need you have. But might I tell you, God is able. But, but we know God is able. But my question is, knowing that we know God is able, do we believe him? Hey, just just like that man that I told in the dorm room, hey, believe me, this is the right thing to do. God is asking that same question with with our burdens, with our problems, with our sin problems, with whatever it may be. God is asking that same question. Believe ye that I'm able to do this. We can't worry about so much what God won't do in the future. We can't worry about that. But we we have enough to prove of what he's already done in the past. Don't look at the future. Look at what look what look what God has already done for us in the past. The book of Joshua talks about how how, how people set how we we ought to set up memorials. what, What God has done for our lives. That helps me when I was taking Greek last year. I said, God, how am I going to how am I going to do this? I'm coming from public school and I'm learning Greek three years after. Hey, I just look back at more memorials. I look back at what he's already done for me in the past. I look back at him saving me. I look back at how he's, he put me from a situation where I was nothing, where I had nothing. And he put me into a pastor's home. And I look back at those memorials. Joshua said, look back. Tell, tell people about them. We cannot worry about what God won't do in the future. We have to already look back at what he's already done for us in the past. His history speaks for itself. It does. God is still saving. He's still saving people. He's still healing. He's still changing lives. He's still providing financially. He's still mending relationships. But God asked me this question five years ago. Stop drinking. God, I, I, I can't believe you that I'm able to do this. Stop listening to bad music. I can't, God. Believe you that I'm able to do this. I can't go to Pensacola Christian College. They got too many, they got too many rules. Believe you that I'm able to do this. Cook hang around them friends. God, I can't, I can't give that. Believe you that I'm able to do this. And as a result, 
I'm here today. Saved, pastoral major. Nothing, nothing to brag about me, but I'm bragging about God. Because God saved me. And not only did he save me, he changed my whole life. God is still doing miracles. It may not be walking on water. It may not be healing the blind. But he's changing lives, and that's a miracle in itself. He's saving folks. That's a miracle in itself. We do not deserve it. But I ask you this question. Jesus asked a question. Back in Matthew 9, 28. Two blind men. There's a distinct problem. They were blind. They had a problem. There's a desperate, there's a desperate plea. They followed after God. They called him for who he is. They, they reverenced him. But not only that, there's a defining perspective. Not only did they see, notice that Jesus was in the house, they met him where he was. And as a result, he touched them. He transformed them. And as a result of those two things, there was a testimony. And I asked this question, like Jesus asked in the book of Matthew 9, 28. Believe ye that I'm able to do this. He's asking every single one of us that question. Whatever problem you have, I may have not named it, but we're all going through something. But thank God we have a God that answers our prayers. Whether it be yes or no, he still answers. And we have a God who listens to us. Believe ye that I am able to do this. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you so much for today, Lord. Uh, we thank you for the music. I personally thank you for the opportunity, Lord, that you've given me to preach your word. And God, we're all human, which means we're all sinners. And with that comes many problems. And God, as you ask these two blind men in the book of Matthew, believe ye that I am able to do this. I pray, God, that we bring those problems to you and that we get so close to you that we can be sensitive to your voice. Help us to understand we're not, we're not by ourselves, but we have an almighty God who's able to meet us where we are. I pray, God, that if we get anything else from this message, that we go home asking the question, believe ye that I am able to do this. And I pray that our answer be like the two blind men, as their response was, yea, Lord. We love you. We thank you for being God. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.